This week, I'm joined by one of my players who I most recently killed. We're talking about how to deal with player character death from both the DM and player side of the table. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to another episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. It's beginning to to become a thing I say in my sleep now. I've said it so many times. Uh, This is the show brought to you in partnership with a bunch of people. The Dice Dungeon are a wonderful uh, couple of guys who sell premium D&D dice, metal dice, as well as resin and now official Wizards of the Coast published books too, so you can pre-order the latest supplement for D&D 5th edition right from their store as you're buying dice. Their newest uh, purchasable fun thing is the Bag of Fates, a randomly distributed set of dice. It's the cheapest way to buy a metal set of dice and you never know what set you're going to get. And the best thing is they're sets that you can't get any other way. You can go and check those out at uh, the link in the description below and you can use the code WESPEAKCOMMON for 10% off. The other wonderful partner is Describe. DSCRYB.com is the one-stop shop for properly crafted and written flavour text for your D&D games. So if you're not very good at creative writing, they'll do all the hard work for you. You can focus on encounter building and working out what your players are actually going to do next. If you want to go and check out their website, DSCRYB.com, they've got a ton that are available for free for you to read through, get your brain flowing, get your ideas going or just stealing using your game. But then the extensive collection of 1500 plus scenes, which is growing every week, is available to subscribers. Here is a code and a link in the description below. The code is common, gets you 10% off every single month of your subscription. And of course, I would be amiss if I didn't mention the fact that we have wonderful patrons who help the show every single month by doing things like helping me afford my editing suites, which make this job so much easier and means that I can, you know, have a bit of fun and share this hobby with as many people as possible. If you want to get involved with that, if you want to support the show in that kind of way, you can. It's completely optional. Uh, There's a link in the description below for the Patreon and that's available on the Twitter and Instagram as well. But as ever, just sharing the show with your friends and fellow DMs and players is a massive help too. With that said and done and out of the way... I am welcoming to the show today uh, a close friend and player of mine who hasn't been on before. Hello, Craig. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? How, how, how are things? I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad at all. I am... Um, where am I at right now? I'm like... I'm quite scatterbrained because I'm working on stuff for an interview for a job that I really want. So like I I can't really think about anything else. <laughs> Do you know how it is when you're like, oh, okay, yeah. but this thing, I'm going to focus on it. But then every now and then D&D just creeps into the back of my brain and I'm like, oh, I'll write that down. I'll use that later. <laughs> what yeah. about you? Um, Not too bad. I've had a couple of weeks off of work mm. for Easter, enjoying myself. Working on music, working on D&D stuff, uh, starting a new game, a new play-by-post game with some new people, introducing oh. f- introducing five new people to the game. That's fun. We we need to do an episode on play-by-post. terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I play in a play-by-post game on a Discord server um, that is run by a really, really nice person who's actually one of our... Um, Patreons. So uh, Firestorm is the 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 legend that brought me into play by post games, and I I need to get them on to to talk about play by post at some point because like the idea of it in my brain, like it's I run D and I've run D and D for a long time, but the idea of running a play by post mm. seems so daunting because it's such a different yeah. format. I started on play by post eight years ago. Wow. In terms of role play, that's how long I've been. Ro- I've I haven't played consistently. But mm. I have role played through Play by Post for about eight or nine years. And do you like? Do you prefer it, or do you prefer the 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 ability to speak? I don't know because I think I'm more expressive as a writer. Mm. But I like the idea of being able to talk and express characters through that if they need that, mm. like Jack, for example. Mm. 
that's a good segue. We shouldn't get uh, caught in the weeds of the tangent that is play by post, but it's uh, it's interesting. We'll have to get uh, I'll have to get Firestorm on one day and and then get some more people on. Like like you get you back to talk about your experiences with running once you've got a few a few sessions yeah. under your belt. Um, yeah. So today we're talking about character death, which is well, it's a weird one. It's an inevit- inevitability of D and D, and it's kind of that thing that you know is going to happen. You're not always quite sure when. You you can get some good ideas of if it's a risk, like a higher risk, but it's uh, it's something we all have to deal with at some point, whether we're a DM or a player. And it can be tough because, well, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll start by telling you where I kind of sit with it. And then I, I want your view because I kind of feel like as a as a DM, I'm very much oh D and D is a part of, like death is part of D and D as a game. Like it's going to happen when you create a character, you know that there is a risk that they might die before their story is told. But then when I'm a player, I get very attached and I'll do everything I can to look after them. And that's that can be fun because I have I have a character that's a little bit evil and he can be very selfish and he's always got an escape plan. And then I have a character who's very selfless who doesn't want to die but will put themselves in danger so it's it's for me it's a tool to play around and yeah it's disappointing when a character dies before their time as it were but i know that that's kind of part of the game that's part of the story how do you kind of feel about it i if if we're not playing tomb of annihilation then i'm not really fussed about it because <laughs> there's a very easy way of bringing a character back if that is right within the, the session and the narrative and all mm. of that. And I've I've played in other groups. I played in a, a local games club and we've had character deaths that have then been brought back to life a couple of sessions later and it, it's been fine. It's It's not been that. But in Tomb of Annihilation, where there's something happening that for some reason people aren't being healed or they're not being revived it's a lot more serious and Mm. i i knew about that going into it because you told us all about it but i didn't really think yeah my character will be fine and and he won't he won't go down that quickly but (laughs) and then he did he did the most in character thing possible uh, which we'll get onto later and that was that was what happened. Yeah. So for a bit of context, and I'll make sure there's no Tomb of Annihilation spoilers in this episode in case you're um, thinking of running it or you're going to be playing in it or you are playing in it. But the premise of the game going in, everybody knows the death curse is a thing and resurrection doesn't work. And we're actually playing on meat grinder mode as well. So death saves only succeed if you get a 15 or higher rather than a 10. So we're playing on hard mode. And I... I kind of love this this premise. I love this part of this game because this story because for me I like resurrection to be a hurdle. Like I it, yes it should be an option I think but I don't like it being so easy that you know you can just pop a pill and oh they're back to life because then the the risk is gone you know and if it Mm. is that easy there needs to be something else like madness or or a Mm. curse or you know something i like there to be yeah there's got to be something around bringing people back that means it's not just done all the time because then in that case people would be immortal right yeah but yeah so we're we're playing two of annihilation it's it's pretty hardcore i don't know what what number session we were in when you died i i know james has been keeping track because he told me he's been numbering them and i think last session was nine so i'm going to assume it was about six or seven seven i think so jack um well i'll tell you what why don't you tell us about jack before we get into how he met his demise Jack was the lovable rogue of the group, or so I, I like to think. He was uh, an experiment within my own role-playing and my own um, abilities as a vocal role-player, as the discussion earlier about play-by-post versus voice. Mm. Um, he was wholly inspired by my love of history and my love of pirates. Uh, which was very noticeable from even his character description and his personality. Um, He was inspired by a a real historical figure Mm -hmm. uh, who had a secret of their own that I took and inspired Jack's backstory that 
that carried a weight on his shoulders through the seven, eight, nine sessions that we played with him. Yeah. And he, I think he felt very grounded, like for as a, as a DM running for players. I mean, I, I'm in quite a f- envious position where all of my players are very good at at creating well-rounded and and interesting and developed characters but he he definitely felt that way and i think there were the you know you have that first session where um everyone's kind of getting this they're, they're saying their little things like giving their hooks like oh yes but but i come from this place and i have this yes. special thing mm. um you are very good at at keeping those things back like wesley is very good at that too you both are very good at keeping those hidden and letting them naturally organically come out and when the other players are like oh i'm gonna prod and ask questions you're like no i don't want to you haven't earned my trust yet (laughs) and and so he felt very real but that did also mean that he left this mortal coil with a lot of unfinished business as it were he did he really did he i had uh when i was making him i challenged myself so i I picked a voice and i i wanted to stick to it and i i had some medium goals that he wanted i had some long-term goals that he wanted i had personality traits and and stuff that he wanted to do that i wasn't necessarily able to get to achieve mm. or even telling it tell anyone about so that they could potentially carry that on posthumously for him yeah it's it's very clear that you as a player had put a good amount of time into preparing the character and i think that i think everyone should do that you know with a dnd character that's that's a good thing to do especially when you're planning to play that character for a long time even if that doesn't come to fruition having that all there is is good um but it obviously leads us to that point where if you do lose that character you're left with this kind of feeling of potential dissatisfaction Mm. did you get that feeling i did a little bit but i at the time i was very disappointed but then uh, over time i was kind of thinking about his end and where where he was and that was that was possibly the most in character end he could ever have had okay so i'm gonna put a pin in that Oh, let's remember you've said that. Yeah, I want to talk about that later. Um, so let's talk about what happened then, because so Jack was a rogue and uh, was very good at doing, you know, the typical roguey stuff of uh, hiding and then striking from the darkness and yes. um, moving around and making use of that movement. Uh, we did have a run in with some assassin vines in the jungles. Yes, which... that, that was fun. So if you don't know, assassin vines are there. I imagine them as a big man eater plant, like like a fly trap, but for people or, or for meat, basically. Um, they can grapple you. Uh, they they have hunting grounds. They can kind of move. And they the way they work flavor flavorfully is that they put something in their big sort of fly trap plant like section, close it up and then dissolve the the body um and you jumped straight into one well i was we were alarmed we were alerted to something by our guide and yeah you had I that said, smell of corpses i said i'm going to hide in a i'm gonna i'm gonna jump and i'm gonna hide mm-hmm. and and ben asked me the the very simple question of which direction do i jump so as a and, dm <laughs> i knew that you had your group had wandered into a, a a hunting ground of these vines and they were basically all around you so i knew where they were in what directions they were mm. and i was like well i could just say you jump into one that would be fun but it's like no i'm gonna give you the i give you the chance to jump to a safe <laughs> bush to hide and you just happen to pick the wrong the wrong direction yeah um, so that that was fun yeah, so that, I mean, that was a pretty close call. That got you down, unconscious, and on death saves. Do you know how many you got to? I, I think can't... I was on two. What, I was, on one, I was definitely on one or two failures, yeah. Yeah, I know it was close, um, and it and it was by teamwork and good good roles that we, we got you out of that situation. What were you feeling when that happened? Because that wasn't death, that was, you know, that's a near-death experience. I that was that was very scary for for me as a player because I thought you know we were two or three sessions in I had this elaborate character that they all knew had a big secret that mm. was like they were all trying to push and prod and 
I, I wanted to carry on playing him. But I think for him, that was even more scary. But then it was also relieving mm. because the people around him didn't leave him in the dirt. Yeah, like every moment is a character building moment. They, yeah, they really, everything else in his backstory had been, oh, th- th- here's my secret. And then they've been, he's been left in the dirt. He's been left in the dust or whatever. And he's had to fend for himself. Mm. But the character building moment of, of them saving him kind of balances that out of, oh, he's nearly dead. Yeah. See, this is the thing. As characters, I think that near-death experiences are very powerful moments and they, they mm. build a lot of development. Be honest. And, you know, it's fine. You can tell me how you really felt. How did it feel as a player? When he died, well, in the near death experience first. Oh, in the near death. Oh, not not great at all. Mm. Like really, really not great. <laughs> it's like that that panic moment, right? Yeah. Did you feel like everything that was happening was fair? Ooh, <laughs> that's a dirty question. I know <laughs> that is a dirty. No, in in the near death, yes. Uh huh. In the combat that we'll talk about later probably not but i i i was heightened and frustrated in that moment that we'll talk about but in in the nde in the near-death experience i thought that was fair because you put it all on me Mm -hmm. which direction i jumped what i wanted to do even though my initiative was like 27 or 28 or whatever yeah i i still was in in the palm of your hands with this as assassin vine yeah yeah you jumped in you just went the wrong you just picked the wrong direction basically yeah Okay, so that's interesting. So, so as a DM, there's a lot of, and I I experience this, and I I think every DM is different. Obviously, you'll feel different ways about the things that you do. I there are probably very, there are probably DMs who can be very sort of boxed off about it and say, you know, this is how it goes. This is the game. If it happens, it happens. It's not on me. I'm rolling the dice, and mm. I am very much similar. And we'll talk about it when we get to it. But I, if there's if there is a risk that a character is going to die, I make sure I'm not making the decision. You know, it's it's down to the mechanics. It's down to the, yes. the player's actions, that kind of stuff. Because I don't ever want to be, as the DM, the cause of that because I know that it can be disappointing. And if it does mm. happen, which we'll get into, it's about making it worthwhile. So in that particular encounter, I did feel like, you know, okay, I've done the encounter as it should have gone. And Definitely. seeing you all come out of the other side of that and all realize oh shit this is difficult this is hard like there's (laughs) deadly stuff out here i was like great i can tick that off you know that i'm not playing around you know that these jungles are not a walk in the park Dodger. you know that that's good that's what i needed to come across and i didn't want to kill someone for that to come across but i wanted there to be a moment where you all went oh okay it's tough out here so fast forward then i think three sessions maybe Probably something like that, three or four. You guys find a clearing. Uh, there's a, a, a lake, effectively, and a small waterfall. And your guide says, oh, I know this place. I've been here before. There's a cave behind the waterfall. We can camp in there. We can hide the smoke in the waterfall of our fire. Um, but there were zombies. So you mm. you had an encounter. You guys did okay. The noise attracted a large troll. Uh, an undead troll which mm. did put another character down but luckily yes you know did. you all you all got through and you had i think it's fair to say pretty much everyone was on low resources either very much so low health or like no spells or or no second wins things like that the yeah and you're level we, we were... three right at this point, we had just dinged level three and gotten our subclasses, and it's the best level of D and D, no matter what anyone else in the group says. Oh, I don't know. Five's pretty good. Five <laughs> is a pretty good power boost. That that that's between me and Ray. Okay. He, he he says level two. I say level three, and whatever. I, to have a yeah, that's a that's a tough one actually. I think level two <laughs> level two's good because you go from like one hit die to two and you're like, oh my god, I'm I'm invincible. And then you realise you're not, and then level three you get those extra abilities. Unless you're like druid or is it druid and wizard get level two? Yeah, they get level two. But so anyway. 
but the point is you were all low on resources and you were all low on hp and yeah speaking of ray our lovable americano he um <laughs> he had said in the group chat ben we're level three now we're basically invincible you can't kill us now yeah. <laughs> yes <sighs> which in hindsight so it feels like he tempted fate a little bit a little oh, bit gotcha. there um so you're in this clearing you're sleeping the night there's yourself and james's character braylar who is a uh fighter uh a dwarf dwarf fan, fanboy of dritzto Erden, and he won't Dru- dual wielding scimitars yeah and he and you and the guide kawasha who is very yes. much all about look if we see zombies let's kill them i want to i want to rid the forest of them the jungle of them uh, are on watch and what looks like two zombies wander into the clearing I made sure that I was describing them as two zombies very close together. Yes, you were. And you Which, were very good at that. And and now knowing that they weren't that and they were in fact something a bit more insidious, how do you feel in hindsight around that? I, I'm still sticking by my guns and it was the most in-character thing for him to do. Okay. So for reference, the zombies were a sort of homebrew creature they were oh that's even more terrifying mm. so they were <laughs> they were based on the greater zombie stat block which i believe is in tales of the yawning portal i'll have to remember which block it's in book it's in and i had envisioned them as they were kind of like siamese twins but they were completely fused from the shoulder all the way down to their foot so Imagine like um, a three-legged race, but the you're tied all the way up your body, up to your shoulder. And so they had a third arm that was linked together and a third leg that was linked, uh, linked together. And so they had um, a bit more HP. They had uh, a multi-attack and they had a, uh, a slightly higher speed because... Mm. The, the way they moved was to use their powerful arm and leg to sort of propel themselves through the jungle. The detriment to their stat block is that they had two minds, which meant they were constantly fighting on where they oh. wanted to go and what they wanted to do. Yeah, see, this is this That's is why clever. this is why I think this conversation is going to make you feel better about the death. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I'll tell you why later. So they were kind of co- they're constantly kind of pulling themselves. And I was describing um, when you finally got close enough, you and James decided to go and you know deal with these what you thought were two very simple zombies. Um, mm. I described them as sort of the the heads would yap at each other and bite at each other and they would pull one way and pull another way and yeah. that's what was going on they're constantly kind of in this battle to to decide which way the zombie wants to go so you two decide that you're going to go and clear out this zombie even though or these two zombies even though the group has said the night before if anything comes in like we know it's a risk by staying here that something might have been attracted by the noise of the fight like just leave it so what was the thought process in going out there well for me, um, when I was building Jack I and got to the pirate background, we, the personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws, I, I rolled for them all. Um, and the, one of the flaws I got was, gold seems like a lot of money to me, and I'll do just about anything for more of it. Mm-hmm. And so when Kawasha, our guide, was talking about the zombie heads and however much it was, like 50 gold, 500 gold a pop... Um, so like you that. had you know so you had gold you had ghoul heads that you could get for oh. I think twenty gold a head and then yeah. Kawasha was very much saying look I'll I will not make you pay a fee for my right. expertise if you help me rid zombies of the jungle yes so that was what was going through my head because it's it's saving money or it's gaining money depending on what the zombies were and yeah. Jack Jack could not tell which ones were which. He, he didn't know if they were ghouls. He didn't know if they were zombies. He didn't really care. Um, he just wanted to, to stab some stuff. And that was, what was, that was what was going through my head of, I've got this floor. He wants gold. And he's seen these things that might get him some gold or might get him some refund off of his payment. Because he, he had paid for the traveling, I think, didn't he? Because mm-hmm. he had racked up the most gold through pickpocketing. Yeah. And he he ferried the group through this little first excursion. And Braylar was, I think he was egging Jack on. I don't know. As Braylar thought that they could take them and Jack was a little bit 
Yeah, Braylar definitely thought Hesitant. they were just standard zombies and they could just go out there and just, you know, a couple of stabs and they'd go down. Yeah. Okay. But... So you get out there. You guys are not on full HP. I don't think you were far off, but you had used certain resources. I know that Braylar had used his Rune Knight abilities on the troll and things. Yes. Um, and you realise that they are... You see them, you see that they're fused together, and that's your first clue that they're something else. But you both think, well, they're just zombies, we'll just stab them at the same time. So then you <laughs> yeah. you, you ready your actions, you both stab them, and they're still standing. I think we, we must have done like 60-odd damage between the two of us. You did, yeah, you did was, a good amount. It was a lot, and, and my eyes went wide. <laughs> That was the uh, moment that you knew you'd fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so we so we get into this combat, and of course, as with any kind of combat where half the party's asleep, Kawasha's then like trying to wake people up, but there's this big amount of space between you and the rest of the group. There's, you know, just kind of fast-forwarding through the counter. There's a few uh, hits traded back and forth. Um mm. You guys, you use your abilities really well because you, I, you got out of dodge pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm a, I was a swashbuckler because pirate. Mm. And I, I had played a swashbuckler in a one-shot before and I knew kind of their ability to just dance around the battlefield. And that's mm. effectively what I did. I I knew they were tough. I knew Braylor could potentially tank a couple of hits. Yeah. Uh, and I was... I was kiting them in and out of their range so they'd have to move up to me but they can attack me at the same in the same action and i was i was trying to do everything that i could to to keep me alive to keep brayla distracted mm. or to keep them distracted with brayla and try and do it whittling it down that way yeah and all the while the rest of the party is waking up and they're realizing we don't have hit points we also don't have any of our resources because we haven't had a long rest so i think like phoebe's character kind of stayed at the back and slung spells yes. um cantrips uh Lots of cantrips. the barbarian did his best to get up close but didn't quite get there in time you know like all this kind of just substantial mm. situational stuff that was going on um and the zombie that the two of them together were they the way they worked was that you know if you hit them they you had their attention yes so in turn order it would depend on who hit the zombie last based on which one it would be focusing on at that turn but it, oh. it also got to the point where you guys were like okay i'm gonna hit the, the the head that's on the left you know like i'm gonna go for this side and so one side was focusing on Braylar and one was on you yeah. and in those situations i rolled a die so I would roll a d20 and I can't remember which side, like which side was high and which was low, but I'd say, for example, left side is low, right side is high. And if the die came out above 10, then the right side won and it would go in that direction. And mm -hmm. that side of the zombie would pull it towards whoever it was focused on. And that became kind of the the key mechanic for that creature and what happened through the fight so you know we then get to the point where i described the zombie using its fused arm to grab the ground and pull itself through the air towards one of you which everyone's like oh shit you know so it was a good <laughs> like for me it was a great encounter because it was engaging and people loved it so we get to the point where you know you're whittling it down you know it's probably got a you know about a third of its health left probably less but it's coming in for big hits and you go yeah. down yeah I do. So this is the first thing that goes through my head when a player goes down as a DM. I often think, okay, it's not that bad. Someone's probably going to get them up next round anyway. First yeah. round of combat, I'm like, I'm not going to worry about the fact that that player's down. Like, they're, they're, that'll probably be fine. Even if the creature attacks the down PC, which... As a DM, I think it's important that sometimes creatures do that. If they would do that, then they should. Um, even if the players still got a good chance of coming back up. What goes through your mind as a PC when you first go down? Well, I mean, in in our in our little group, we're as much as our play, our characters might argue or bicker or, or squabble we i feel like we always still try and bundle together during combat mm. and you know we will we will tank the boss if we have to to get the the tank up 
and and we'll we'll do what we can. So I was confident in in the ability, despite none of us having spell slots or resources or health, that something could have happened. Mm. But I I wasn't sure what because we we would have had to have have damaged the boss down within that round, if unless someone could magic up a spell slot yeah. within the the next twenty four seconds. So you're now on death saves. Yes. The creature is is over you because it's just knocked you down. And the response from the other players is to try and distract it. So Braylar gets right up in its face, basically over your body. Um, some of the other players are trying to hurtle fire at it and things. And we got to a position where Braylar was... Braylar hit the creature. So he's right in mm. front of it. You're right underneath it. One side of the zombie is focused on you because, hey, I've just killed this thing. I want to eat it. It's basically what it's thinking. It's a zombie. (laughs) The other side is thinking, hang on, there's another person here that looks pretty yummy too. So they're pulling against each other. And I rolled the die, and the one that succeeded was the one to bite you. Yeah. So when he comes for a bite, which of course is two failed saves. Yes. What went through your mind then? Panic. And how... Like, how did you feel about Ben at that point? <laughs> I no. To be fair, you like because I've DM'd player deaths on on in my own games, and I I was hoping that you were playing as the mechanics or as the creature or or whatever, and it it wasn't that you wanted me out of the game and out of the frame. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say though, because there is that little bit of anxiety, isn't there? Like, oh god, what happens if I die? Am I gone? <laughs> Especially with uh, Amelia and her first encounter as well. She went down. And then I thought something was... Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So what's... <laughs> that's that's, that's, in, that's, that's an important story. thing to bring up then, I think, is like, you've got a... Death is a part of the game. Yes, we've said that. And <laughs> yes, your players are going to go down and yes, they're going to get in a fight. But D&D is a game of trust, right? And we talked about this in last episode mm. when we were talking about you know, making the game accessible for someone who can't see, right? There's a lot of trust in being able to help those people. And and it's the same with death. When you're down, there's a lot of trust that your other players are going to do something to try and get you back up. And there's a lot of trust that your DM isn't just going to go, oh, I can kill someone and put a notch on my belt. You know, and, and yeah, there, there are DMs out there like that. And there are selfish players out there. So I think it's important that one of the biggest takeaways from this conversation is, create and foster that trust between the players and dms right yes um because i would hate for for you or anyone in my game to feel like i was targeting you because i'm not you know it's no it's part of the game just very coincidental (laughs) yeah um so it's important that 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 that's a big thing that we focus on a big thing that you do you you make sure you have that trust with your players and your dms as a player and as a dm um, and yeah, the fact that Amelia came in pursued by a dinosaur is just, uh, that was purely <laughs> a fun way to bring the character oh, in yeah, and also great. have the other players be like, oh, we've immediately got to work with her rather than, oh, we've just stumbled upon yeah, a random yeah, yeah, person and was... we have to like interrogate them. Um, I thought that was the case. Yeah, it, it that, was, that was really well uh, coincidental that you went down in that fight as well. As well. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're, you're down, you're on the floor. And you're now at the point where you have to roll a save, and if it's a fail, you're dead. Yeah. There's something really important that every player needs at this point, and that is a really nice, beautiful die to roll their final death save on. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if you've got any sets of dungeon dice. I dice. Do. What, what ones do you have, Craig? I have the Rainbow Black. Set. Oh, yes. One of the OG sets. Yeah, they are. Um, they are very good. W- were you rolling these on the death saves? I was. They are my go-to dice, and I'm not being paid or suggested to say <laughs> this. They are genuinely my go-to dice for every session. And I've asked for the rogue set for my birthday. Oh, lovely! I, I hope you let your uh, the purchaser know that they can get ten percent off by using the code we speak common on checkout. I have. Okay, that's good. That's they're more likely to get you for your birthday. That's then. why I asked for you the other day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you were like, what? What's that code, by the way? <laughs> um, 
yeah, so if you are going to be dying anytime soon in the jungles of Chol or anywhere in your D&D games, um, some really good dice will help at least make that final death save as you leave the world a little bit nicer because you'll look at a nice pretty die as you do it. Um, the other thing as well that everybody needs during a death scene, which we'll talk more about in a bit, is really good descriptive language for when a player dies to make it feel monumental um, and mm. describe you know they offer that kind of stuff they've got over 1500 scenes that you can just plop into your game and it will fit your your homebrew fantasy world things like monster descriptions spell descriptions locations and growing collections and again there are a load of free ones but there is a full set of collections 1500 and growing that you can get if you are a subscriber and you can get 10 percent off using common on checkout descriptions for both of those amazing partners in the description of this episode below but on a serious note, you are at that point where you're thinking, okay, I need to roll high now or or, or Jack's gone. What is your... So for, I get a two-part question. How do you feel as a player in that moment? And what is your advice for other players in that moment? Because when you're down, you're sat at the table and it's kind of that like... It's kind of like you're in the penalty box, right? You 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 can't do anything mm. but your death save. So you're watching everyone else play the game at that point. So how do you feel mm. and what's your advice for other players who find themselves in that situation? I mean, it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. It was, it was disappointment, mm -hmm. uh, a mix of disappointment, um, stress, and just general kind of like, panic mm. i suppose because I, I we were all super in character it, it as much as combat is combat it was still a very role played out moment mm. um i think and and we all kind of we're all on discord and camera because of everything that's going on at the moment and we were all kind of paying attention to everything that was happening and that was a really big hit i think mm. as well that kind of made it all impactful um, if you're in that situation, I don't really know what to suggest because mm. it is it is a stressful time, um, particularly if you've put in a lot of work, if you've played the character for a long time, um, if you have any kind of connection to the character or any if your character has any connection to the other characters in the group, that can be very stressful, but it is ultimately down to the dice roll and i think we have to accept that a little bit yeah which isn't isn't kind of what i did <laughs> because because i rolled the dice and i don't know if you want to do any more but i can i rolled the dice and saw what the number was mm -hmm. i was so so tempted to say like a 15 or a 16 mm -hmm very very tempted yeah um, yeah no i get that so there's there's two parts to this as the dm right there's the moment where i'm seeing you realize that okay everything now hangs on this next number and yeah. and there are everyone's going to react differently i remember phoebe had a moment in our last campaign where her character who towards the twilight end of the campaign who had she had so many hours with her got in a situation where she was going to die like it was going to happen mm. unless someone saved her. And thankfully, Joe's character yes. came in and pulled her out of the trouble. Right. And that's teamwork. And that, oh, yeah. that became a really important moment for the characters. Yes. But it did. in that moment where she didn't know who was going to come in or what was going to happen, because everyone's sitting there in table talk saying, I can't do that. I can't get there. I could get there, but I might die. I might just go down instantly. I can do this, but I can't do that. You know, she's sitting there thinking, oh, God, yeah, no one can get to me. I think I had a plan and Cowrie had a plan. Mm, yeah. But his plan was quicker than mine. And I remember sitting next to her, because obviously we're, in, we're on Discord, but we live together, so she's in the same room as me, and I can see her panicking and stressing. Mm. And as a DM, I want to be like, I'm really sorry, I want to undo it. But I can't, like, that's the game, you know? <laughs> but also at the same time, turning around and saying, look, this is the game, this is what happens, isn't always the best thing to say it is it is the right thing to say in the sense that you know look it was the game that it was the dice rolls it's not i've not vindicated you or like targeted yeah, yeah. you this is the game this is what happens but at the same time it's how you say it so those two examples just show that people react in that way and they will because they love their characters and it's 
it's sometimes it's better to just keep your mouth shut as a DM, I think, and just let what happens happen. <laughs> but also it comes down to knowing your players. But then there's that second moment. Now, if you had... Uh, if we were playing this game in person around a table and you had gone down and it was your last death save, your your role would be very open, right? It happens there yes, on the table in front of everyone. It would be. It would be. And this is a thing with D&D online and I've always said it when people join my games and they've not played them before they're like oh are we not rolling digital dice I'm like no you're going to roll actual die and you're going to tell me the number you get because one it's tactile it adds that D&D round the table feel to online D&D and I as a DM want to roll real dice so I should let you have that option too if you want to roll digital that's fine but I will give you the option and the second thing is it fosters that trust I am trusting Mm. you to tell me the number you roll and not lie because that's the game why would you do that to yourself to change the story and I as the DM am asking you to trust me to do the same just as I would behind the DM screen you know and I saw a post the other day on Reddit as a side note that was like, we all know fudging happens, just don't just don't tell us. And it's difficult because nine times mm. out of ten, for me, it doesn't. And the only time it does is if it betters the story for the players. You know, if yes, it's like I'm going to change the result that. by like one or two. I'm not going to change a, a four into a 20 unless I really absolutely (laughs) have to for a major story reason. If the die rolls, that's what I'm going to go with nine times out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, you being honest and saying I wanted to lie is is good because I think everyone feels that way. I think think you wouldn't be human (laughs) if you didn't feel that way about seeing like a one on the die when you need a 15. Um, Mm. And it just shows that that kind of coming forth that building of trust pays off because we end up playing the game as it's meant to be with that element of randomness that the dice offer rather than just you know picking the numbers out of thin air Mm. so i guess you roll that die Mm -hmm. you know you're you know you're gonna die yeah pardon the the strange phrase yeah (laughs) and you tell everyone I do. And the next five seconds are silence. Yeah. So I, I roll a one. I roll a natural one on the yeah, dice. You couldn't have rolled I, any I chuck- lower. <laughs> I chuckle to myself. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why, but I chuckle to myself. Mm. And I, I said natural one. Five seconds later, Phoebe reacts. Yeah. Uh, and in possibly the most... I don't know a word to describe it that wouldn't sound insulting to Phoebe. (laughs) You don't go for it. It it was a very, like, dramatic response. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, she called out. She was like, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's emotive is the word you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, emotive, yeah. Um, And then everyone else kind of started to process what the natural one meant. Mm. Because then that would have been like four death saves mechanically, four failed death saves. Yeah, so... Because the natural one... You were were gone. So... (laughs) I was dead there's this is that point then as the dm where i'm like ah shit okay Mm. i now have to put the work in and this is this is i think what is the most important thing about making character death work because yes i know going into every session whether there is a chance of a death in this session and i know with Tomb of Annihilation, we all know playing this game that if you die, you're dead. That's it. You're not coming back. Oh, yeah. Unless something miraculous happens. There are very... <laughs> there are. I will tell you now, there are. there is one way in which well that well technically there's two i mean when you when you, in the soul with the soul monger consumes your soul it doesn't like consume it immediately you you kind of sit there for a period of days and every day you, i roll a die and if you get a number a soul gets sucked up and so there's a oh, chance lovely. that if you so if you like ended the death curse tomorrow there's a chance that your soul would go on to the afterlife rather than being destroyed by the device yeah so there's that makes sense but there is one other way that you could kind of come back. It's not resurrection. It's very, I'm not going to say anything because it's very spoilery. Um, but I knew that that was nowhere near and was no way an option for you where you were in the jungle. 
because you guys were off like you guys were like 20 30 hexes away from where that thing is yeah, right? yeah, yeah. it wasn't gonna happen so i immediately dm i'm going okay shit what do i do now to make this worthwhile because i now have an obligation to you as a player to make sure mm. you have some kind of closure some kind of bookend for this character even though you haven't achieved all of those things whereas i on the other hand started filling out my next character <laughs> yeah which which is fits for, for this game is very appropriate i think for a normal game that's a bit hasty um because <laughs> you know you never know what's going to happen and your other players then have a chance to see what they can do to bring you back like this game we know you're dead in another game it's like okay what can the players do do we know someone can we petition a god can we try divine intervention can we do this can we do that you mm. know yeah, yeah so um in this case i think that was the right move and it got you back in the game much much quicker um but i i was like okay what do i do so i i pulled out an emotive song i pulled i went and grabbed that, that player death playlist that i've always got saved on my oh, spotify gosh. yeah it's always there just in case yeah yeah you know and i started describing now i am very glad that the other players and i want your opinion as well in a minute because that's the that's mm. the one that matters the other players said to me after the game we think you did that well for us that closure was good as other players who lost a, a comrade so I ticked mm. that one box because that is a part of it. <laughs> you know, I described you that moment of leaving. And this is the thing. I didn't write any of that stuff. I knew, I know kind of with every death, the way I want to go with it, the kind of motifs and things that I want to hear. But I haven't scripted based them. Based on the, yeah, based on the character and stuff. Yeah, based on character, based on what's happening in the world, based on where you are, what where you are in the story as well as location. Um you know, this was the first death, so I needed I needed to hit some motifs. You did, and, and you definitely did. Thank you. I'm I'm glad. That's good. That 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 gives me some relief because I didn't want to script it because I didn't know when it was going to happen. You know, but I knew the kind mm. of theme, so I, I went for it, and I feel like I hit it. How did it feel for you? So we we described Jack leaving his body. Um, you know that that elation of okay, what's next, and then the dark cold grip that came around you you saw the face of a man that began to wither and age very quickly which turned out to be a skull with these pinprick eyes you heard a voice and you mm. felt your 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 soul being sucked away and pulled into a dark crevice somewhere in the earth right yeah and there was more i can't remember the exact phrasing but no i, I don't wish to. <laughs> you know it's, a, it's ptsd at this point <laughs> how was that description for you it was absolutely like I I don't know the word for it. I I want to say it was it, it was what it the character deserved. It was mm -hmm. emotive. I I was there. I it was my soul that was being sucked into the soulmonger. Um, yeah. It, I so what what do you then think made that made it that impactful for you? What are the like if we were going to say to a DM. Like, if, like, let's say we paused yeah, time yeah. and DM said, oh, characters just died. Quick, tell me what I need to do to make it feel good. What do you think are those points that made it feel good for you? Definitely the music. Okay. Because I'm, I'm a very music-oriented person. Yeah, I am too. I think it really helps um, set the scene. Um, the, the pace in which you spoke also was very right. It was, it was very on theme, I suppose. Mm for for what it for what it's worth not that yeah so i took a very whatever. sort of somber tone a very slow low relaxed kind of okay you feel this this happens this happens but then of course when the the bad side of it started to come in it began to quicken and that's a yes. that's a skill that you you grow over time i think um you know i've got the mm. benefit of having been a vocal storyteller in only voice for years at this point so that's mm. kind of become a skill that I've got in my back pocket, but any DM can grow that with practice. What um, what I fixate on, I think, is I've said my part. Did I say the right things? Did I say it the yeah. right way? And mm. did it come off the right way? I, 
and I struggle with this because I don't think I can give direct tips for that because as much of a cop-out as I always say <laughs> it is, like, you know, it depends on your party, right? Depends on your players, depends on the situation. Yeah. Do you think there's anything that can guarantee that as a player side of it? Oh, I mean, unless you write your own um, obituary for the DM to read out. <laughs> yeah. but I, That's a I bit morbid. I... <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if there is something that could be done for that. Unless it is just knowing your party, knowing the players as well, mm. and trying to add them together with your narrative expertise yeah you see like if and gone word weaving yeah see if if jack had died let's say jack was the first death that died and it was the start of, it wasn't the start that came in it was a you know a good few months in and we'd had a lot of experiences i as a dm would have gone to draw on memories you know like i would have been like mm. okay jack you you feel yourself leaving your body you you remember you know you hear these words you remember this taste you hear this you, you smell this scent you know gone through those things that kind of life flash before your eyes moment and that i feel yeah, yeah, yeah. is a good kind of staple for a character death because it gives you the ability to remember how far you've come yeah and that's a definitely. that's a great crutch to have if a character dies later on when yeah. they die yeah, yeah, yeah. straight away, you don't really have that. I mean, you can do the same thing with backstory. And if you yes. if you know your, your player's backstory well enough, I feel like you can draw on those key points. Mm. Um, and that can go really well because you can, you can give a bit more to the rest of the party as the character leaves. Like, you can give hints of more of them. Uh, yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we knew you were a privateer, but we didn't know that you, uh, I don't know, let's say you had a, a story in your back, a, a note in your backstory that you spent X many days sailing on a ship called the uh, the Eyeless Watch out on the Sword Coast, right? So I could mm. have I could have described f- from that, like, oh, you you hear the sound of lapping waves, you smell the salt on the air, and you see your captain insert name here um shouting to the crowd and and then you flash and you're somewhere else like that would have given a little bit more to the other players to remember you by Mm. so having that in your back pocket as a dm is is i think is a good way to get around making the death feel like a good closure um so jack dies you are now a player at the table with no character yes combat ends and I should say there were other things that happened uh, in our story. Kawasha and his sidekick, Walking Weed, the Veg Pygmy, uh, did all they could to try and distract the zombie. Um, Walking Weed died as well, um, mm-hmm. which just goes to show how no. not attached to that character you guys were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we we really were not attached to him whatsoever. I think you, the, the keep factor was there, but that was kind of it, um, which is fine. And I don't, I didn't want walking me to overshadow uh, Jack's death anyway. Yeah, he was like a little group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, or like the, I imagine him more as the one from Fantastic Beasts, the little. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do I. Twig or plight or something stupid, I don't know. I try and forget that movie as well. Yeah, well, me too. Well, at least at least the second one. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking JK Rowling, man. Uh, wizards don't have toilets. They shit on the floor and magic it away. Um, so, anyway. yeah, back back on track. You're, you're dead and you're sat there and the players, the rest of the players then have to have their moment, right? They have to have mm. their goodbye. Um, and we ended... I think this the the series of events where Braylar felt very to blame and did his own sort of thing. Uh, they burned the burned your body and yeah, I've gone. Like, you have thoughts that was. I do have thoughts about that. I'm really annoyed that they did that. <laughs> yeah, because, because it could because have revealed from, the secret from session one. Right, I think it was either our second or our first or second interaction. Ronan had guessed Jack's secret. Yeah. And, and but didn't know. Sound I had di- didn't know for certain, but had guessed. Mm-hmm. And he was prodding and and punching Jack throughout the the interactions they had. Mm. And Sound I had a conversation afterwards about it all. Mm. Um, and then like Runa burnt the body yeah. of Jack, and I thought no one's ever going to get confirmation now. No one is now ever going to get confirmation whatsoever about this secret. Yeah. So. That could that 
could have been picked up on. So the bodies burn. They uh, have a burial for the ashes in a small mound. And they had a funeral service, effectively. Yes. Obviously, we we took a... So it, as, as a point of, of note, as a DM... After the combat, I said, okay, let's have our five minute break. You know, go have your wee, <laughs> go get a drink. Because yes. that gives me a chance to to collect my thoughts. Talk to, yeah, yeah. It gives everyone else a chance to step away and collect their thoughts and get ready for what is going to be a very different theme into part two of this episode of the campaign. Um, mm. But it also meant I could pull you aside and say, hey, do you have another character? Do you want to jump in now? <laughs> yeah. Or do you want to sit around and jump in next session so we can work on it? And... You had one, which... I had an idea. Yeah. I had the idea and I, I was building the sheet as we spoke. So I have I have a couple of thoughts around this. I think you did it very well. I think you had enough to go on and I gave you a couple of suggestions mm. to tie you in. And I think you and I know each other and we know our game well enough to do that on the fly, yes, right? Definitely. If we were a new group in a new campaign and you can't, you literally just said, I know what class I want to be and I know a name, I would have said hold off until next session because yeah. we can then build out a proper backstory yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so my advice is again cop out answer depends on the player and the DM the relationship there but if you but, can do it go for it yes because it, it worked really well and we had a dinosaur encounter and it was it was really fun I think oh good it, it was it was a different pace because they were all kind of somber somber yeah. and they were in a short rest and they had this young mid-twenties girl basically run into them mm. whilst being chased by this dinosaur. And this is the thing. I going into my prep for TOA, which bear in mind I did a couple of years ago. I wrote that whole the whole book for it, which um yes, you, you did. can get for free on the Patreon, by the way, even if you're not a supporter. Uh if you are gonna be running to Invanation. Part of my prep into that was to be like to make sure I knew how I would bring a new character into the party out in the jungles. So I've got a ton of ways, and one of them was pursued by a dinosaur, <laughs> right? It's a fun, explosive way of doing it. So I was like, right, okay, well I've got one. I can I was like, I can bring you back in. If you've got a character, let's go, you know. So while they're having your funeral, you're there creating a new character. Yeah, literally. What in the Discord session, I was hastily building a character out on D and D Beyond, which is great. And uh, and like I say, we managed to to put it off. So it's it's not something I would always do, but in this case, it worked. But how did you feel? Did you, as a player, um, get anything out of that kind of goodbye section of the session? Oh, I, I was in tears. Okay, that makes me feel I, I very vindicated. Absolute tears like oh my god it was awful i mean not good not good that it was awful but good that you had an emotive (laughs) response i i'm not a big fan of crying in front of other people Mm. but i i couldn't help Mm. it with with how well the other players um interacted and you know wrote i think as as separate as ronan and jack were as, as characters their interactions were kind of like the closest Obviously, Ronan had his sister in the campaign as well, but I think I don't want to say anything too much, but their little interactions were kind of the closest I felt out of the others in the group. Yeah. And his goodbye was quite emotive. Yeah. I think that's a testament to the group that Mm. even though we were only a few sessions in, everyone had those connections and everyone could say a meaningful sentence or two at this moment to feel like you had a proper send-off and i think that that is very important i think if the group is well put together in your game where a character has died give them the chance to say goodbye because not only does it add to that kind of closure for the other player the player that's died you know they get to feel Mm. they get to hear the nice things that the other players will say (laughs) about their character which doesn't come up often you know no, it really doesn't. They get to hear Not all in that. Our games anyway. Well, yeah, we all just hate each other. Um, yes, you, <laughs> you get to hear that. You get to know that your character had an impact on other players' characters' lives, but also those other players get a chance to close that book too. And I think that's a very important fact and, and a very important um, tip that we can give. Okay, so you die. You're said and gone. You are now playing Amelia, who is a completely different character, and and. Very much so. I think a nice breath of fresh air for the group too, um, I mm. must say. And we're very much sort of learning new things about her every session. We've only played a couple of sessions with her. 
Um, mm. Session and a half, I think. Yeah, effectively. How do you now feel now that it's been a session or or, or a session or so? Um, what are your like? Where are you at with with the death of Jack and that kind of stuff? I'd I've come to terms with it. I think, and I would as much as yeah, it's happened, and we've discussed all of this for the past hour. Um, I would have liked to get the things done, or at least had someone know about the things that he wanted to get done to then try and and help that out posthumously mm. in honor of him but that that's never going to happen yeah unless the the pirate group that i created get involved <laughs> yeah which i would i would love that'd be so so cool, here's the but... thing i have some and this is one of my final tips i'm going to give is that i have some plans f- that i had some things that were going to happen for jack that obviously aren't going to mean as much now but they're still going to happen because the world still turns and no one outside yes. of the party knows that Jack has died yet. So that is... Oh, of course. Yeah. So that's something that I would um, I would, I would give as a tip. I would let the memory of the character live on even if mm. they no longer do. Because the leader of the group know he's on Chult. Yeah, yeah. So... Because I... I'd, tactically sent him a message mm-hmm. i don't want to spoil anything for you because as, as no please don't. as his player please, please you know, don't. that's going to be fun for you too but there are there are a couple of little things they're not massive they're not world changing but they're nice notes i think that will help make the world feel a bit more real um and i can probably go into those in more detail another time uh when those have happened uh so listen i was going to say let's go through our tips and things but phoebe bless her heart has just messaged me knowing i'm recording she's at the front door and it's stuck she can't get in the house so <laughs> oh, oh no. i need to run but before we do <laughs> would you like to first of all tell us jack's secret so that the players yes. that don't know get that closure <laughs> and also give us a a brief immemorium Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) Um, So Jack was very much inspired by a character in history who was Mary Reed, who was one of, I believe, three women in the 1700s to be incarcerated for piracy. Mm. And she was going to be hanged, hanged, but she got off on faking her pregnancy. Mm. Um, For some reason, they didn't just didn't want to hang her. And she had spent the past, the most of her life acting as a man. She was, when she was born, her father died when she was young and her mum wanted the inheritance that came along with that. But in the 1700s, it was only males that were entitled to it. So she dressed Mary up as a boy and that was that. Mm. Um, I can't remember what happened in her story, but she joins the army. She has to foot. Um, pose as a man she falls in love with a another woman pirate um and they they i think they both end up getting hanged for jack i had the same kind of thing uh, she was born a girl uh for her father died they couldn't get the inheritance so her mum posed him as a boy and that was it until he was 16 and caught her mum was thrown in jail and he was on his own Joined up with this assassin pirate privateering crew, mm. and that was that was where it was. So Jack was a woman, and nobody knew except and for nobody knew apart Sam. from Ronan, yeah. who who guessed who guessed. I think the first interaction we had mm. he, outside of the the meeting. Yeah, he guessed, but he he didn't. He hadn't had it confirmed. So. Um, no, he he never got it confirmed because Jack didn't go. let it on because he he didn't trust any of them. Are there? Although it, it was improving, his trust was improving. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it, stories always end too soon, um, and that's why I think it's important to talk about this experience and and the the kind of tips that you can take from it to to make the experience that you have with character death better. Um, yes. Before we close, Craig, is there any final words you'd like to send out into the world to remember Jack by? putting pressure on um no i don't actually i really don't Uh, as un um cinematic as as it is i don't (laughs) he 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 lived his life 
as he did. And I think he would appreciate, he would want everyone else to live their lives as they are and without keeping secrets. Mm. Wonderful. And you know what? The fact that you don't have any more to say than that makes me feel like we've done a good job to to close his story, even though it was too early. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. It's going to be hard to do the next one, the next death, but it's going to come. And we nearly had it last <laughs> session, actually, with Ronan. So. No, we did. Oh, oh God, I know. It's always, it's always looming as a shadow in the background. Look, I'm going to have to run and let poor Phoebe into the house. So, yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and your feelings around how it all went. And I think this is an important conversation to have. I think people will... Uh, have something to take from this if if it comes up into their table just keep it in the back of your mind and keep thinking about how you'll do yes. it that's my advice um as ever if you want to get involved with the show you can tweet us on twitter at we speak common you can get us on instagram at we speak common uh on there too where we speak common at hotmail.com for an email i'm on reddit if you see we speak common it's usually me posting about it so come have a chat and if you really want to get involved if you want to support the show patreon is the way to do it and you get access to a wonderful uh discord server where we chat all the time pretty much every other day if not every day thank you so much for listening thank you for sharing with your friends craig you've been a pleasure to have on and i will uh, i'll get you back on another day for sure yeah wonderful see you later Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like the show, do us a favor, leave us a like and review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. Send us to your fellow DMs and players so that we can build our community even more. It really helps to get us out in front of more eyes. If you want to support the show, you can by joining our Patreon. Links can be found in the show description and the episode descriptions on all platforms. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82. It's licensed under a Creative Commons license by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Free Music Archive.